Hey, what's up? That's me, Victoria Glam, the host of the Glam Life Podcast. I've spoken on stages around the world, but this is where it actually started, in a small town just like you. I bought this building, I built this business with my loving husband, and then I made a lot of really famous friends. And now I want to bring their expertise to you every week on the Glam Life Podcast. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Glam Life Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rocca. You might know me as Victoria Glam if you follow me over on Instagram. And if you don't, you totally should. I am also the host of the Christmas conference happening here in my studio, December 15th. Um, it is a free event. It benefits Toys for Tots. There are six speakers, six demonstrators. There's a gala night to follow. The British are coming. Alice Kingdom will be here. Veronica Fleiser will be here, um, amongst other valued guests. And there will, of course, be a litany of other reasons to come. But mostly you should come because I want to hang out with you. <laughs> Do you know who else I want to hang out with? Today's guest, Leanne Law. To know her is to love her. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Leanne, actually. Uh, I've met her in person. She's absolutely lovely, kind, beautiful, with a perfect body and perfect hair. She embodies exactly what I think a California girl is. Um, she is the owner of Fusion Artistry. So she is an educator, a top-notch, world-renowned educator, by the way. She was one of the first to truly do it um, and create other educators. And she also manufactures her own products. So she has things like needles. She has her own pigment line. Um, she should be retailing Brow Sister Numbing, but we'll talk about that another day, huh? All right. Without further ado, let's meet her. <laughs> Hi, Leanne. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so Leanne, you have uh, your own studio, Fusion Artistry. You're out there in Huntington Beach and Ooh. you started. Can you give me a second? I think the laundry. Hold on. <laughs> I gotta stop the laundry, babe. Oh, yeah. That was so loud. Sorry, that Jody, came from, like super Jody Stosky stopped our interview like three times to let her dog out, to answer the door, and to um take her her chicken salad out of the. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's hilarious! <laughs> I usually I usually don't, and especially most of my interviews are live, so that yeah. not just live, but like it can't I can't really stop it, but. Yeah, I was like, let me do that before this starts. <laughs> no worries. I can't hear any background noise at all. So oh, good. Hopefully the mic helps, you know, just kind of yeah, capture the sound here. That. Yeah. Top of the line you got over there. I try. Audio's everything. They can't hear you. It's annoying. Yeah. Especially if it's like muffled or all this noise. I don't like that. Yes. Or like just echoing too. Yeah. And Chandler's such a when it comes to this type of stuff, he's like, nope, the audio, if, if there's even an echo, he gets like super annoyed and wants to redo the whole thing. And I'm like, babe, we don't have to be perfect, <laughs> but that's how he is. You know, I like that though. I like yeah. that. He takes it so seriously. Oh, he like full yeah. on committed. When you said, I need you to quit your job. I need you to get involved. He full on was like, okay, if I'm in it, I'm in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the type of person he is. I mean, I, I got really lucky with this one. <laughs> Thank God, huh? When's the big day? 
You know what? We're so busy. We haven't even freaking planned. Okay. It's like we've been engaged for almost a year. And we're every time we sit down and we're like, okay, um, no family or yes, family for the wedding. <laughs> How can you not have your family? You do everything with your family. I watched you take mom and dad to Hawaii. Well, that's the thing. We're so involved with our family that we're like, should it just be me and you? And then we'll just have a big party when we get home. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean, hey, I'm, a, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm a minister. Wherever you, you want to really? go, I'll marry you. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. But it's yeah, like part of me is like, do we just fly to like some really cool place that we've been wanting to go to honeymoon there for a few weeks and then come home and have a party? Like, I just don't yeah. want to plan. I don't want like, who, you know, it's like, yeah, do you want, uh, I don't know. I'm just like, so have you had them. have you been married before I have that's probably why yeah you already had the big wedding you know now you just yeah. see the inconvenience yeah yeah like, I could do so much more with that money <laughs> girl couldn't you weddings are expensive everything gets so priced like times three or four and I'm just like what is the point like I don't need no pretty flowers like I don't care I yeah. just would rather have a big party with friends and family that I care about when I get back, have fun. Doesn't have to be super formal. You know, it's like, I'm kind of, it sounds like that. you know what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it's like super fun and exciting too, but then I'm like, I don't know. I don't, Chandler and I are so chill. Like we just, we're Sometimes I, I feel like people don't realize it, but I'm a pretty simple, like, I like things just, I like extravagant things. Like I like nice things, but I also love like the simple life, you know? Yeah. Like I don't I think, love to go out and party very much at all. I just, I'm a homebody. That's a common theme. I'm seeing that so many people like grind and hustle and get to like the top, let's say, however you define that. And your career is solid. Your home life is solid. You have a partnership. There's not that much left for wanting, you know, and all they <laughs> yeah. want at that point is peace. They yeah. just want peace. They, yeah. I want a garden. I want to be left alone. <laughs> it is funny, but it, it's true. It's like, we're just happy together. It's like, yeah, we, we just, find things to do that is fun for us, but it's probably not fun for most people. <laughs> you got to find your weirdo and hang on to them, you know? Yeah, seriously. Weird stuff together. Does Chandler ever get boots on in the business? Does he actually go to fusion artistry? Um, Not for the day-to-day -day, like service stuff, but for my trainings, he's there. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the first one there. He sets everything up. He's the one that communicates with all the students. He literally does everything aside from he actually does some of the teaching for like the machine stuff and oh, wow. a little bit of the tech stuff. He will jump in and he'll go over all the information with the students. And I do all the technique stuff. Oh, that's so, so he's very hands on. Yeah. yeah. Like my students love Chandler. Isn't it nice yeah. to have someone who like gets it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's in the thick of it with you. Yeah. Does it ever feel like, um, like where is the boundary between my partner and my partner? Um, like, no, not, what do you mean by that? Like, 
Like, is there a difference between your husband and your business partner? No, we're kind of all merged together. <laughs> so a lot of people have been telling me on the podcast that when they get home, they tell their husband, like, don't talk to me about business. Don't mention spreadsheets to me. Don't mention clients mm. to me. Like I have to turn off right now and we can hang out and we can talk, but not about the business. Kind of like when you have a newborn baby and you go on your first date and your mom makes you promise not to talk about the baby. Yeah. You know, it's, it's rare. I feel like our conversations kind of are always life and business mixed all together. And so we don't really have like a lot of those moments when we're like, okay, no more talking about business, you know, because our life is just so together in both ways. Um, So I don't feel like we have a lot of those moments, except I think the only thing I can really like think about right now is I'm kind of like the person who's always thinking about business. So it's funny because we'll go to sleep at night and he'll have his eyes closed and he's like about to fall asleep. And one of the things that I love to do to him, and he hates this more than anything, is I'll be laying there and like a business idea or something pops in my head that we have to do. And I'll like, babe, 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 I'll like wake him up. You and wake I'll, this man up and tell him idea. I, yeah. Or I'll just be so excited. I'll be like, babe, so did I that thinking like I'm not even bothering him and thinking his eyes are just closed and that he's not sleeping or secretly hoping he's not sleeping. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. He's laying in bed with his eyes closed and you're like, he's just kidding. He's not yeah. asleep. And then he does this thing. So there's this thing he does to me and it, and that's when I know I need to stop. He takes his hands and he goes like this over my face (laughs) (laughs) like turn it off turn it off he's like slowly he goes like this (laughs) that's so funny you know I used to do that to my babies like as babies to get them to like close their eyes yeah that's That's exactly what he's doing that's That's exactly what he's doing to me he goes he takes his hand and he goes like this (laughs) where's the off button yeah but, but that's like the only time he's like, okay, enough is enough. Like you need to calm your ass down and go to sleep. How long have you guys been together now? Over a decade. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. like what took ten, you so long to get over 10 years. What is it? What took you so long to get married? I think I was like, you know, after like being married, you're kind of like, I don't really want to get married again <laughs> or part of your it first was like I'm gonna move really slow so like when I first met him I think it was instantly like okay like I'm not in a hurry to do anything so I think I kind of scared him off that way <laughs> and oh, he just yeah. stuck around for a long time it was very patient and I was like I guess I'm open to it <laughs> yes I'll spend my life with you I've already spent a tenth of it with you yeah so then I'm how, like, I guess long, this is working and it's going really well. How long was your first marriage? Uh, we were together for a total of eight years. And this was while Actually, you had- we were together for eight, I think married for two. I can't even remember. We didn't have kids. So I felt like he was just another boyfriend. But yeah, yeah, it was like a total of 10 years, I think. But your sisters and you had already o- opened Fusion before you guys got a divorce, right? The, uh, yes, yes. So what was that work relationship like? Because I know you told me your sisters have kind of exited the business now. So I don't yeah, imagine so I that there's a lot sisters. of sisters. 
Yeah. I have three sisters. So there's four it. of us. And all four of us are in the beauty industry. So the two older ones do hair. So they they weren't doing permanent makeup. So we were all merging together to kind of do like an all-in-one type of business. Yeah. yeah. But the good thing is that we found out really early that our mindset and our vision was very different. That's why I feel like it's so important for people before going into a partnership to really, you know, talk about all those different things that are so important. How did that conversation go when they decided, hey, this partnership is not going to be it? Well, we were so new. So we actually signed the contract and everything before we had a lot of those conversations. And until we started going through the renovation process, did we realize like, ooh, we kind of don't have the same vision, all of us. (laughs) So let's kind of talk about that. And then when we did, we realized like, oh, we want different things. So the good thing is that we cut it off right away. So we didn't even let it pass the first like six months, I don't think. So the 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 two older ones ended up just continuing to do what they're doing. Yeah. But on their own and not a part of fusion artistry, which is owned by my sister, Kim, my youngest sister and me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there, I mean, we all have a great relationship now. Like, you know, there were just like anything when you're in the middle of all that, it's a little bit like, it's really hard. And it really, you know, took a toll on our relationship for like a few months, which really sucked because I'm really close to my sisters. Like my family is so, so close and we're all, we're always about family first. And so, you know, that was really hard, but it all worked out and we all are still doing what we love. You know, my sisters are still doing hair. One is just next door to us and the other one has her own little spot like right by the beach and she works part-time. She's like kind of semi-retired because she is older. So things are great. Everyone's happy. And, you know, we're all kind of doing our own thing. Um, But at first it was hard. What were some of those differences in the vision? Did you have like a big picture vision and they said, I don't want to do that much work. Was it something like that? I think it was just finding out that we wanted different things. Like even as little as decisions on renovations, like we, we couldn't really agree on even the small things, you know, like how do we want the entrance to be like, where do we want, you know, your section and my section, where do we want the hair? Where do we want this and that? So it was down to like, even those little decisions and also, I mean, everything, it, it was a little bit of everything. We kind of went through the, ch- the, the checklist and was like, okay, you know, our vision's a little different. I mean, I'm younger and my little sister's younger. So we've got long-term goals, whereas my other sisters are older and they're kind of like, well, we're, we've been working, we've been doing this for a long time. Like how much longer do we want to do this? Right. So Fair. that I feel was the biggest thing was just that, that vision of like long-term goals of where we want to take the business. And so when we realized that that could become a problem, we felt it was better to like make, you know, kind of split that up and and make those changes before we got into this big business together that could go bad. 
So we were, I mean, if anything, I have to just be thankful that we realized it right at the beginning and didn't drag it on for years. And, and then what could have happened, right? Oh my God. You'll put your parents in an early grave doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who said it out loud first, older sisters or younger sisters said, this isn't going to work. Let's save our relationship. I think all of us realized it. <laughs> yeah. People yeah. realize it, but somebody has to be the first to verbalize it. And then everyone yeah. kind of feels this wave of relief. Like, oh, someone yeah. said it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I asked the hard questions. Yeah. You know, how, I, I probably asked the hard questions. How did you become the Kim of your family, of your Kardashians? Because you, you have a sister who works in this business with you, but I don't know Kim. I know Lee. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think because... So my younger sister, Kim, is actually very, um, we're not recording the podcast yet, are we? Yeah, we are. Oh, <laughs> you're so funny. <laughs> I, to- I totally thought we were just hanging out this whole time. <laughs> hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Okay. If there's anything that you're like, I don't want that in there. Just send me line items and I'll remove it. Oh, I'm totally fine. But that was hilarious. I was just like talking so casually and didn't even like realize. I told you it's a very casual podcast. (laughs) I love it. That's hilarious. But yeah, my sister Kim, she is a little bit more like behind the scenes. She loves just like you know, doing the finance side of the business. So she kind of takes care of all that. She actually does a lot of the hard stuff. I know, you know, for me, I feel like sometimes I get a lot of the credit, but Kim actually does a lot for the business. So, you know, she was handling a lot of all the payroll, all the finances, um, the employees. Like, I'm not a big fan. I don't love to hire and fire and (laughs) do all that. Yeah. I'm, I don't blame you at all. I can't, nobody enjoys that. Yeah. And Kim Kim does that, you know, she's, um, she's kind of like the mom for our business and I'm just the wild child who takes a lot of risk and is just like out there and I'm not afraid to to show up and be in front of the camera. I mean, I, I do have fear of that, but I still will do it. Whereas Kim likes to be a little bit more behind the scenes. So that's probably why you don't see her as much, but she is a huge, huge part of fusion artistry. And, and it's possible only because of the fact that I have her. So since she is such a huge part of the business, she actually is like the business side of it, right? What was that like incorporating Chandler into the fold? Did it just feel natural for everyone? Or was there ever a conversation of like, right, so let's talk about how we're going to divvy this up. Or did she hire him? That's so funny. You know, what's, what's crazy is Chandler was came in really helping more with my part of the business. So anything that involved me, like my trainings, um, So he was kind of doing that at first. And then eventually he started kind of helping Kim with some of her trainings. And honestly, it just kind of all happened. Organic. Yeah, it happened organically. And, you know, we're all really close. I know that Chandler loves Kim. Kim gets along really well with Chandler. So we're all just like a big 
family and we we kind of just all jump in and do what we feel is needed to help the business grow. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do feel like it just kind of happened and there wasn't really a sit down conversation like what's Chandler's role going to be? It was just right, like, like clearly defined roles. Yeah. Numbers just, girlies like to know boundaries and roles. Say that again. Numbers girlies really like clearly defined boundaries huh. and expectations. You know, they usually do, but I have to say one of the reasons why things have worked with Kim and I is that we kind of allow each other to do what we are good at. And we kind of have that trust in each other. And I think that's so important when you have a partner, right? I mean, yeah. I'm lucky she's also my sister. Um, and we just have that amazing bond. But at the same time, it's like, I trust her. Like, I don't ask her for a detailed um, report <laughs> of the books or the things that she's taking care of, because I do fully trust that she knows what she's doing. And if I have a question, I'll ask her, but I, I don't go into a conversation ever with Kim, like questioning her or making yeah. her feel like, you know, she's, she's doing something wrong and she doesn't do that with me. So when I tell her, Hey, you know, Chandler is going to help us with this and this and this, she's like, cool, awesome. Let's do it. So in that sense, it has made it really easy for us to kind of all work together. And I think, you know, I think that's really important because sometimes you bring people in and you don't have that trust and it's so hard to balance. It's so hard. It, it really is. And I think, again, it, it takes time to build, especially if you're not siblings, then yeah. let's say you're just friends and you haven't known each other all your life and you don't have that connection that you have to like, you know, really keep. Um, it could make it harder. So yeah. you you really have to to think twice about or think really hard about bringing on a partner or having a really clear contract. And an exit strategy, I think, is I always say that so important. You yeah. have to get a divorce before you get married. Plan your yep. divorce before you get married. Write that I, in the operating. Yeah. Make sure I, there is a clause that says this is how we separate the business. Yep. And but it's, it's so hard at first, right? To do it, it really is awkward and and really hard to do. But if you well, don't, everybody have side eyes each other, you know, like, <laughs> or what are you putting in this contract? You know, like I'm not trying to weasel anything. I'm trying to make it easier if you want to leave. Yeah, I know someone who got a new boyfriend after being divorced and she started having him do stuff in her business, right? Where previously mm -hmm. the husband hadn't done anything in the business like that. He started setting prices, like all kind of stuff, right? Wow. Her staff left. Her staff was like, oh, I'm out of here. I, they gave their staff a pay decrease. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so they were like, he sells drugs for a living girl. He's not setting prices over here. <laughs> That's so, yeah, see, you just never know what could happen. I've heard a lot of stories, but that one had me on the okay. floor. I was like, what? What did you do? Yeah. That is so insane. funny to me. So siblings, they say actually, and also spouses have their own language that's nonverbal. So, you know, your sibling 20 years before you guys decide to not live together anymore, you know, little faces she makes, little noises she makes, um, you know what they mean. And then when you have a spouse, especially when you've been with 10 years, 
you pick up on those same things because it's the same kind of environment. You live together. You Mm -hmm. see every little facial flinch that they make based on what emotion they're having. My two cousins are really almost like mother and daughter. And, uh, but they're very close in age. Just, you know, one helped raise the other. She has this tell when she's talking that the other one talks about all the time. And I would have never noticed it, but she says, oh yeah, Bridget was pissed. I said, she didn't say anything. Oh, she was blinking so slow. (laughs) (laughs) She was blinking. So that's hilarious. And I noticed it the next time that I saw her talk about something she was really displeased with. And she's a CPA. So she's Mm -hmm. a facts, not fiction kind of girl and facts, not feelings kind of girl. So someone's telling a story and I was watching her. And if you're watching the the live version of this, not just Um, the audio, she literally was like, she's pissed (laughs) so I'm sure it's a lot easier than people who like it's their girlfriends they decided to go into business with because you guys have a whole other level of communication on both ends you and Chandler and you and Kim so that's probably a lot easier to navigate than somebody else but a, a question that I asked someone like hey if you had a chance to ask Leanne Law anything what would you ask her someone said what is it like um, kind of being like the face of the business that your family eats off of during something as serious as COVID when none of you could work? What was that pressure like and how did you navigate it? How did you keep everyone kind of employed? Oh my gosh. I'm like thinking back 2020. Trauma. When we heard the <laughs> announcement, right? It was like, serious? Like, are they kidding? I, I really just, at first, like, didn't believe it. I mean, my heart sunk. Um, Fear just was kind of smacked me in the face, right? Like, it was just that time where I felt like the 14 plus years that I've been doing this, like, could it all just fall apart now? Like, could, could this be the end of my business? Because my overhead is crazy. I mean, oh, I bet because you have products too. Yeah, I mean, our we have a huge space in Orange County, so the rent you know here is crazy. Um, I had a you know a just staff and all kinds of stuff, and I felt so much pressure. And I'm sure you know all all of the business owners out there, all the entrepreneurs we're all feeling the same thing. We are in a time of such uncertainty um, and so much fear. So at that moment, I just, honestly, I felt helpless. I didn't know what to do. I felt like the first thing for me was how am, how are my employees and my business going to survive this time? And um I think it was one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with in the 14 years that I've been doing business. And uh, I had to really quickly, after sitting there for at least a week, just like scared, didn't want to move, didn't want to do anything, um, just watching, you know, trying to get as much information on what was happening, uh, trying to figure out like, okay, is this going to be a long-term thing? And it was like week 
And then after a week, it just felt like it was longer and longer and longer. And I know people in different parts of the country were shut down at different for different times, right? Different amount of times. In California, we were shut down for almost half a year. So you can only imagine coaching at that time. And girls were saying like, there are still stay at home orders, but I have my family to feed. I have to pay my lease. So we put foil in the windows and people come in through the back door. They were working. Yeah. See, I was worried that people would kind of snitch. Mm -hmm. Like there were a lot of people who would not have been okay with that where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it was kind of battling with all of that. Like, what do I, what do I do? I'm, I'm kind of, you know, responsible for all these people. And then I had classes and I had clients to see, and it was like, people were asking for refunds. I mean, it was just like so much craziness. Um, and that's when I, I had to sit there and think, okay, well, what am I going to do? Like, I, I can't just sit here and do nothing. So what am I going to do? So that's when I pivoted and started doing online courses. And the online courses obviously were not, you know, for someone who was brand- entering the industry or who was brand new, but it was more for people who didn't have anything else to do at this time. So why not um, level up their skills in, you know, whether it's business or or something else. And so I started creating online courses. I started doing, um, you know, coaching on a one-on-one basis, coaching some of my students who really needed to figure out how to maybe revamp their business or just, it was just one of those, those moments where I think people had time now to really sit and, and look at what their business was bringing in and what it needed. And so I was able to help a lot of my students really revamp some of the things they were doing with their business so that when things did open up that, you know, they'll be running and taking off even better than it was before and also pivoting their business and taking part of their business online as well. So I think um, as an entrepreneur, just making sure that you learn how to always pivot and make changes when you need to, because it's not always going to be steady, smooth sailing, you know, look at it right now. Yeah. Nobody has clients right now. Everything is slowing down now. So you have to learn how to pivot. I know sometimes, you know, people are, people out there are preaching like build a team, build a team, build a team, but it's like, well, when do you build a team? You know, sometimes it's not the time for you to build a team and you need to know when it's time for you to build a team and when it's time to not, or you you might be doing something else or making certain changes or adding a different service. I mean, things are always changing, always in our industry. Well, let me ask you this. So you clearly understand this industry really well, and you've been in this industry for what, 15 years now? Yeah, close to it. Before that, you were in corporate. What was your corporate job? I did all types of sales from insurance to mortgage to call. Like I wasn't a car salesperson, but I worked at a dealership. I did like recycler classifieds. Can you imagine Leanne Law walking out on the lot and being like, hi, can I put you in a Ferrari today? (laughs) 
Yes. I could have been good at that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Cute little tweed skirt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I was always in sales. And you know what? I started working at 15 and a half. Really? Yeah. The minute I was able to get my workers permit, I was like, dad, I'm getting a job and you're dripping me off after school to my job. <laughs> what was your first job? Telemarketing. Oh, stop. Timeshares. Yeah, I sold timeshares. Oh my God. How many people slammed the phone on you? Tons. At 15? That's heartbreaking. 15 and a half. And I was, you know what that taught me though? Like getting no's. I was kind of used to it. (laughs) I only need one yes. Yeah, it was crazy. I was just sitting there on the phone, just dialing. For four hours after school. You want to double down on learning rejection? Take your clothes off and do it. The strip (laughs) club. Oh my God. (laughs) No thanks. I like blondes. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sure that had to have been difficult. (laughs) Honestly, it was the best job in the world. It was so easy. You got paid to party. You went to work when you wanted to. You didn't when you didn't. It was a great job. But it's funny to say that. (laughs) That's hilarious. So when you were in sales, when did you decide, like, that I need to be in the beauty industry? You know, one day, I remember just sitting at my cubicle. And I was working, like, 10, 12 hours a day just behind a cubicle. building someone else's dream. And I was like, over it. One day, I just felt like, you know what, I want to love waking up in the morning. And I want to do something fun and exciting. And I'm tired of being told what to do by these corporate bosses. (laughs) And I just couldn't imagine like sitting there behind a cubicle for the rest of my life or until I'm 65 or whenever I'm ready to retire. Me either. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go do something fun and I'm going to quit my six-figure corporate job. And I was in my 20s making decent money, like making more money than most of my friends. And I was just like, I don't care about the money. Like I want to do something that I'm actually going to be happy about doing. And so I left my corporate job And I told my sister, hey, let's do something fun. Let's like get into skincare or something. (laughs) So then one of my sisters owned a salon at that time. And then the space next to her was available. So my other sister and I were like, yeah, let's just open up a spa next door. So I actually started out doing makeup on the weekends and skincare. And then I was a front desk receptionist for my sister's business. Do you know the number one thing that I see brand new estheticians who just graduated, the number one thing that I see them complain about is that they don't want to take a receptionist job because they already graduated aesthetic school. They know how to give a facial and they want to earn more than what you earn per hour as a receptionist. They're not paying me enough. That has to be the most ass backwards thing you could say because you don't get any better education than being at that front desk because you see every side of the service. Yeah. yeah. I, I was the one selling like the services. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's how I learned the complaints, seeing how the booking system works, seeing how often people come back, hearing the results that they have, seeing whether they buy product or not, seeing the reports, like the whole thing. You learn the whole business at the front desk. That's exactly, that's exactly what I did. And I did that for like the first few years. And, and honestly, like I was my, my sister at the time was paying me $10 an hour. I went from a six figure job to $10 an hour. And I humbled myself to do it because I knew that if I wanted to do something that I loved, and if I wanted to do something that, you know, I I had to start somewhere. And I think that's where sometimes, you know, we, we think like, oh, I deserve to be paid more. And I get that. But when you're transitioning and you're just starting out with something, it's okay to start at the bottom. And I, and I feel like if we encourage it. Yeah. And I think that's where you learn like everything about the business. You're like front line at that point. And so that helped me learn sales that helped me learn how to make, you know, clients happy, what clients actually want, what they say yes to, what they say no to. Um, so I did learn a lot through that process. And then, you know, from there, building the clientele for skincare and makeup and then transit transitioning to permanent makeup at that time just kind of happened. And it worked out great because then I already had some clients, um, going at that point. It's also a little overwhelming to try and build a permanent makeup clientele without the backing of a solid previous, previously existing clientele, because a makeup girly, a spray tan girly, a lash girly, they only need X amount of clients because Mm -hmm. you can redo their makeup next week or for homecoming and then prom. And then you can provide those services over and over again. But for PMU, you need a new ass in the chair every day. Yeah. And then you see them once a year after you've completed the initial service. So it's more daunting to try and fill those books if you didn't already have an existing clientele. If you have 30 people coming with you, great. You just need to start filling in gaps now. But if you're starting from, if you're skipping that bottom step, it's a little bit more difficult to start out. Absolutely. 100%. Did you ever sit at your cubicle and think to yourself, looking out the window, or if you even had a window, and think to yourself, I know my sister can go eat anywhere she wants today, and she can go home if she has a headache, and I have to sit at this desk. Totally. I mean, I, I feel like, I felt like I was kind of a slave to that company. And, you know, I made them millions of dollars, and I just took home a paycheck, and I was expected to work almost harder than anybody there. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I dealt with a lot of things because during that time, um, there were like 500 people in our building and I was probably, I don't know if there's 500 people in my town. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. Here it's, I mean, people everywhere, right. In California, but yeah. Just moved out of OC maybe two or three weeks ago. Who? My friend, uh, my old college roommate, actually, uh-huh. left OC, I don't know, two or three weeks ago to move back to LA. She was in OC for, I don't know, three or four years, something like that. But she said, I can't afford it anymore. And she's a fashion designer. Yeah, it's getting so expensive here. I yeah, mean, there's a lot of people there and there's good industry, but it's so expensive. Yeah, I don't know how people afford to live here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm just you like, your house, dang, I, I, I feel like I do fairly well, but 
I don't feel like I'm doing as well as a lot of people in Orange County. Yeah, but you own your house. Not everybody. And most people rent and they pay way too much on rent. Girl, the internet yeah. told me all about you. <laughs> Congratulations on your house doubling in price. Over the last oh, thank you. I It seriously was like the best decision ever. And you know what? I, that's why I'm so grateful for this industry. It's like, I can't imagine ever. I never thought I could own a home here. Yeah. You know, before it was like such a dream. And the fact that I was able to save up for a few years and put like, 50% down on a house in Orange wow. County was like, that makes that note manageable. Yeah. It was and like, it was crazy. That's it so was nice. crazy. And so I'm always just so grateful for this industry and what it did oh, for me, yeah. for my family. And you then took mom that, and dad to Hawaii. Yes. I mean, my parents live with me. So oh, I moved them really? in, in, in 2020. So I get to, you know, really, spend a lot of time with them nowadays and be able to, to be with them. And I think, you know, for me, that was one of my goals and my dreams because my parents literally, I mean, they risked their life to give their kids and all of us just like the opportunity to, to be here, to give us freedom. And it's like, what is it? How so? How'd they risk their lives? They left. I mean, we left Vietnam. We, I should say, we escaped to Vietnam after the Vietnam War in the early 80s. And we were, I mean, we left on a small fishing boat with like 100 people. We could have died at sea. We we're at sea for like 10 days. No joke. I was four years old at the time. Oh my God. Yeah. We went from Vietnam, came to Malaysia. Did they have Kim already? My mom was pregnant with Kim. So Kim is born in Malaysia. Oh, God. In Malaysia. So like in transit, she had the baby. No. When we when we arrived in Malaysia, we we, we were at the refugee camp for like probably a yeah. year in Malaysia and the Philippines. And then we got sponsored to come to America after that. Who sponsored you? My grandmother. Oh, she was already here. Yeah. That's My mom's family was already here right after the war. So, yeah, I mean, my parents risked everything for us to to be here. And Do you so you feel like that drives you and your sisters? Absolutely. Because there's there's never a day like my hardest day is nothing compared to what my parents went through. So when I when I have my days where it's hard or when I am facing something in my business where I feel like, oh my gosh, like this is terrible. I always think back, like what's, what's my why? I think back, you know, I'm here. I'm given this opportunity. My parents risked their life for me to be here. Like, this is not hard. Yeah. <laughs> what they went through was hard, you know? Yeah. Um, so that always keeps me going. And that's why I feel like nothing I face is that hard because I know what it took for my parents to, to give us the opportunity here. And to so, be able to be able to appreciate that while they're under your roof and you see them every day is such a blessing because so many people don't realize that until their parents are gone. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And then it's too late, right? Yes. It, it's I was too actually, late. 
that was the last thing that my grandfather ever said to me. So his parents did the same thing with the Armenian genocide in Syria. Um, the young Turks, so they like knew things weren't going well. Um, my great grandfather came to America to earn money to send for his wife and their three kids. And the young Turks actually surrounded their village and the three kids were either murdered or starved. Nobody wanted to talk about it. So I don't really know. She walked out of Syria on foot, pretending someone was her cousin because women couldn't travel alone. Mm -hmm. She got to Cherbourg. She got on a boat. She came through Ellis Island. He met her there and she had to tell him, we don't have any kids anymore. And the story that she told of laying next to their graves, crying, saying she just wanted to die. She couldn't make it to walk on foot all the way from Syria, catch trains and hide from people and get to France to get here and give that news. My cousin Sadie and I say that to each other all the time. Like Hafiza could do it. If we, if she did it, we can do this. If she could do that, we could do this. And that was the last thing my grandfather ever said to me. Um, he was in a hospital bed. He was watching the news and they had um, ISIS on the news. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm so glad we're here and we don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. And isn't it so true? Like, you know, you might not think that when your parents are here, but looking back on how far you come and like what your trials are, what they did is incredible, unfathomable for me. Mm -hmm. I, I cry when my kid, you know, hits his head on the wall. <laughs> I don't think I could have walked across Europe uh, to deliver that kind of, that's crazy. Isn't and if it? they hadn't done it, I wouldn't exist. Yeah. If they hadn't moved here and married white people, where would I be? <laughs> yeah. It's, it really is crazy. It's like the things we go through. I mean, it doesn't compare to what they had to go through. I think that's why immigrants own so many businesses. I think that's why immigrants own so many businesses because they had to work harder to get here. And that's the dream, right? I'm going to come here and I'm going to own something. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. So yeah. I'm not surprised at all that that's in your background. And that's why you are such a driven person and such a high achiever. The first thing my grandfather did was open three stores right next to each other, a grocery store, <laughs> a laundromat and a car wash. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like my parents actually, they're really not entrepreneurs because when they arrived here I think I mean six kids the only thing you can really think about is like putting food on the table every day you know yeah and so I think for them it, even if they wanted to I I don't know how they would have been able to do it because they had they didn't speak a word of English it's always their kids yeah, we it's were always that we kid were, who watched someone work so hard and they say, okay, I really better do something. Yeah. And I, and I felt like, you know, we have to, or I have to do something, right. I have to do something to make that change because when I, I remember growing up as a little girl, just like we came from nothing. Yeah. I didn't have, I was wearing the same clothes to school. We didn't get new shoes. I mean, we didn't have anything. I didn't even have, I think my sisters and I fought over one doll that we got for years. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we for had, years, not for, years. for years, we had absolutely nothing. And I remember like just going to school and kind of like, oh my gosh, like these kids have everything. And I always wanted that pretty dress, but you know, I was getting hand-me-downs for my cousins, which were great, you know, and, and I wore them proudly, <laughs> don't get me wrong. But I was always like that girl who growing up, I was like, 
you know, I want more. I, I, yeah. I want more. I, I wish, you know, I want to be able to buy this and buy that. And I want to be able to afford a home. I want to be able to. So I always had like these bigger goals and bigger vision and, and wanting to just be able to take care of my parents at the same time. That's where, that's how you became the Kim Kardashian of your family. You put the family on your back. You said, come on, Ray J, we got to do something. Yeah. And it, it really takes. Chandler's like, going to enjoy that reference. <laughs> I feel like it really takes a big why to get you through things. Cause you know, entrepreneurship is not easy. It's not, but look how far you've come. What's next. Oh my gosh. I'm always pivoting. I'm always thinking like, what is next? I feel like, you know, after growing this business for the last 14 years, I feel like I still want, I mean, I, I still love the business. I still do clients three days a week. So I'm still hands-on. I'm still teaching. So I always feel like in order to be a great teacher, I still want to be doing the craft at least a few days a week. Um, and so I've kind of been juggling that, but I also feel like there's a big need in the industry for a lot of business and marketing education as well. Yeah. Um, so I do feel like that's something that I really want to be able to help other people in our industry with. Um, so there's a few things in the works for me and I'm hoping to, you know, announce that soon and, um, uh, and make it available. But yeah, I'm excited. I, I love the industry. So I definitely am not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, if anything, I want to bring more value to um, other artists in the industry and, you know, be able to help them grow a business because I, I've done it. I've been able to do it all these years. I'm not like a, you know, overnight success. It took me 14 years to get where I'm at today. And I've gone through a lot of struggles, which I think is really important to be able to share the ups and the downs, not just oh, yeah. the highlight reel, but also, you know, the things, the hardships that we go through as entrepreneurs. Um, I think there's a lot of decisions that I made that were really bad. And I want to be able to share that so that other artists don't have to make the same mis mistakes that I made. Um, so I really want to bring more of that value to the industry. So I'm really excited for that. So you haven't launched a coaching program yet? Not yet. Where can people find you to find out when you do? Fusion Artistry, and that's Fusion with a Z. So Fusion Artistry on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on YouTube. So I'm, I'm starting, I started my YouTube channel. So that's going a little bit more steady now. So I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm going to take more time to really put out more educational content. Um, but yeah, just fusion artistry and Leanne law on all the different platforms.